now that we sort of unofficially know that Blake Sable is going to make that opening day roster, what do we think about the possibility that could he overtake Joey Bart at some point on the depth chart and become the Giants' primary catcher? We're going to get to that mailbag question and so many more next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thanks for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, so check us out there if you have not already, and please hit that subscribe button if you are watching on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your baseball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo locked on all caps, in the game. And coming up on today's show, a mailbag edition of the show as we are officially in opening week. The Giants play the A's tonight. Nice game yesterday. We'll maybe get into some of that against the A's in Oakland. Tonight in San Francisco, Sergio Romo going to make an appearance, like legitimately pitch in this game and walk off the field and retire. And so that's something to look forward to. Obviously, the game is televised and then two off days and then in New York City to play the Yankees on opening day on Thursday. I'm very excited. But mailbag questions. The first one, actually, there's two two ask, two questioners here. Manny says, can Blake Sable become the primary catcher over Bart? And who do you think will be catching opening day? And then King of Norway says, is Blake Sable's defense at catcher major league ready now? So this has been probably the most interesting topic for the entire spring to me, the catcher competition. And as of this recording, Monday morning, we still don't know for sure that Joey Bart is even going to make that roster. And I know that this is controversial. Some people think it's insane to even suggest this, but if they truly believe he's going to be striking out 40% of the time, then it doesn't make a lot of sense to have him on the roster. And so I think ultimately, because here's what we do know. We learned over the weekend that Roberto Perez is going to make the team and he's a catcher. And that when I did my initial predictions about the opening day roster, uh, I said that I thought he was the most likely of any of the catchers to actually make the team. And sure enough, we find out about him before we find out about anybody else. So the thing is, Blake Sable, we've also kind of unofficially learned from Farhan Zaidi himself that Sable's going to make that team. Uh, but the thing is that there are injuries in the outfield uh, to Mitch Hanniger and Austin Slater. And so that creates an opportunity for Sable right now in the outfield. But eventually, if Hanniger, maybe just Hanniger, but certainly Hanniger and Slater come back, then for Sable, he's got to be the catcher. He can't just be 
you might say he could be like a fifth outfielder or whatever, but they don't have room for that. And they've got a lot of outfielders and they've got fifth outfielder types, you know, with Wade and Jock and even Tyro Estrada. And you're already looking at four guys with Hanniger, Conforto, Yastrzemski and Slater. And so I don't think they could. And Gabe Kapler has even said this, like for Blake Sable to stick on our team, he's going to have to prove that he can be a catcher. And he has to stick on the team as a rule five pick. They can't just send him down at any point. Uh, he either has to be in the major leagues or on the major league injured list. But even if he's on the injured list, he has to be in the majors for at least like on the active roster for at least 90 days uh, in order to ru- lose the rule five status at the end of the year. And so anyway, these questions, I'm taking a long time getting there. But can Sable become the primary catcher over Bart? It is just a really interesting question. Uh it depends on a lot. It depends on if Sable hits. It depends on if Joey Bart, A, makes the team and B, struggles. If Joey Bart makes the team and then there's more offensive struggles like we've seen from him so far, basically, in his major league career outside of a little stretch in which he did well in the middle of last year, then it creates an opportunity and it it could be Sable. Like if Sable hits, then all he would need to do is show that he can handle it defensively in order to possibly, yes, become the primary catcher over Bart. So can it happen? It can. But the question is defense with Sable. And, you know, I haven't we haven't had a lot of access to games this spring. A lot of games were not televised. And then some of the games that were like live streamed, for example, over the weekend, just like they had so many technical difficulties we can't even watch. So I haven't seen a lot of Sable catching. So it's hard for me to make an evaluation. From what I did see, I didn't love his throwing ability. And I did like his framing ability. And the blocking and stuff looked a little bit raw. And so mostly, like, if you're going to have a big problem throwing to bases and throwing guys out who are trying to steal, that's not going to work, especially with the new rule changes. And so... For those reasons, I think it's unlikely. And King of Norway, I, from what I've heard, I don't think Sable's defense at catcher is major league ready right now. But, uh, and I mean, he's not going to have too many chances to work on it if he's starting the year as a outfielder. And so it is really interesting. That's why I said this is the most interesting topic because it's just unclear right now. But a lot is going to depend. I just, I just want to say, I'm not saying for sure, but I just I would not rule out the possibility that they go with Austin wins over Joey Bart. And so I know that's going to rile some ruffles, some feathers or whatever the phrase is. But just because defensively, I think wins maybe is a tick above. And also with the bat, you're not going to get that 40 percent strikeout rate. But I'm just saying don't rule it out. I think that the right decision is probably to go with Joey Bart. And then in terms of who's going to catch on opening day, I have been wondering this myself. Like if it's if Joey Bart makes the team, he kind of should be that opening day catcher. But at the same time, like a lot of teams, you're just getting defense like that's kind of your primary goal out of the catcher position. And you'll take what you can get offensively and I think that's what Roberto Perez brings to the table is like you could make a case that he should be the starter uh, just because of what he does defensively but I think it's likely Joey Bart just give him that opportunity let him see you know prove if he's improved or not the issue is like I've seen a lot of his recent spring at bats and there's a lot of chasing and swinging and missing and striking out and swinging and missing at pitches that he should be hitting 
So it is a great unknown as we are just a few days away from opening day. If he even makes the team out of spring, he can be optioned. That's the thing is you could kind of kick this down the road a little bit and see. I don't know. I don't know. It is a tough question, but most likely Bart makes the team. Bart starts on opening day, gets that opportunity. If he struggles, then it could create that opportunity for Sable to get a look at catcher if Sable is hitting well by the time that these other outfielders come back. So a a huge thing to pay attention to in the next few days as they set the roster and as the Giants head out and play some regular season baseball starting on Thursday. So the next question is going to come from D, who's going to ask about the Giants lineup construction and specifically why do they put power hitters in the leadoff spot? It is non-traditional, and D wants to know why they do it. So we will get into that question in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. This is an amazing game that you can download in the App Store onto your device and not have to use Wi-Fi, which actually helped me out so much right before I downloaded this game. Uh, right after I downloaded this game, my power went out, and I was able to play this game without being connected to Wi-Fi. And what's so great about it is if you've ever dreamed of becoming a GM in baseball, which for me realistically was something I dreamed about a lot, this game lets you do that and put your skills to the test in so many different ways. You might think that you're good at this, but it is much harder than you would think. You've got to hire the right coaches and staff, manage team finances, scout and draft players, Manage difficult personalities and injuries. Navigate your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of a season. Locked on Giants listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code. If you're on YouTube, you can see the code below or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com, ultimate baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, here we go. We are going to get to more mailbag questions. The next one coming from D, who says, I have never understood why Gabe Kapler uses a power hitter to bat leadoff, like Darren Ruff, Jock Peterson, Belt, Wade. Alex said, I assume you mean Alex Pavlovich said, it's not about being a leadoff hitter. It's about good at bats. When I pointed out their two for 33 at one point, uh, Alex said that when you pointed out they're two for 33 at one point, is Gabe just trying to be different? He's definitely not doing it just to try to be different. And I know somebody replied to you on Twitter, and I agree with what they said, which is that it is, if you watch other games, it is not that uncommon. Like you see George Springer has been a leadoff hitter for when he was with the Astros and with the Blue Jays. And No other examples are coming to mind, but there are definitely other examples. And the idea, for me, it's not even just it's about good at bats. For me, it's about uh, getting on base and also the fact that the top of the lineup gets the most plate appearances. And if you add that up over the course of the year, I think each spot in the lineup gets an extra like 20-ish plate appearances per year. And so if you put a guy first versus if you put him like fourth, you're getting... 60 extra plate appearances out of that player over the course of the year. And so I think that's way more important to put your best guys at the top than it is to like 
here's the thing. I just think, honestly, it's like this imaginary fantasy that the old school mentality has about what a lineup should look like. This imaginary fantasy of speed should be number one, contact should be number two, and then like the guys who drive those guys in three and four. And so the imaginary fantasy here is that you've got uh, a fast guy to start off the game. He gets on base, which is a big assumption. <laughs> You're assuming he gets on base. And that's why... Uh, you know, let's say you're okay. The guy's fast, but his on base percentage is like 50 points lower than some other guys on your team. So right away, you're making an assumption that he gets on base and then he can use his speed to come around and score. And you're also only thinking of the first inning and not the subsequent innings in the game. You might be thinking of the subsequent innings in the game and thinking, uh, we don't want that guy coming up, uh, after the bottom of the lineup because there's not likely to be people on base. But that's not true. There are often people on base for the leadoff hitter, obviously not in the first inning. That's the one thing is that you're always guaranteed one inning where nobody's on base, but also no outs. You're guaranteed that there are no outs at the time. So you could start off a rally. Like hitting a double to lead off a game is not a bad thing. You know, just because you're not driving somebody in, you're putting yourself in position to be driven in by hitting for power to start the game. And so I just, yeah, to complete the fantasy, this guy with a bad on base percentage is leading off because he's fast. So then he gets on base and then your contact hitter like bunts him to second or maybe he steals second base and then your little contact hitter either, you know, hits the ball to the right side and advances him to third, or he bunts even and gets him to third. And then your three and four hitters hit a sack fly. Or I mean, your three hitter hits a sack fly. That's the fantasy. I would like to see how many times in a first inning does that actually play out? And it's not going to be high. So we're the whole idea about that's how you should construct your lineup is based on that fantasy scenario that almost never happens. Because I mean, first of all, guys don't bunt. Guys aren't, you're not just giving away outs, like just trying to move the runner along, playing for the sack fly for the one run. If you've got a power hitter leading off and he hits a homer, I'll bet you that a homer out of a like George Springer happens more often than this scenario when the fast guy gets on, steals second, bunted to third, sack fly scores. I bet you that like, if you look at the Blue Jays and compare them to some other team, that the Blue Jays are going to score more in that first inning based on having George Springer leading off. And so, yeah, your best hitter should be hitting at the top of the lineup, mostly because they hit the most over the course of a season. Like, say it's the ninth inning, game on the line, and the lineup turns over. You don't want to have to wait four spots to get to your best guy. It's you got to have them at the top because they're more likely to get... I mean, they get that first crack at being, you know, having the lineup having turned over. And so... Yeah, just look around the league and look at a lot of the leadoff hitters in the game, and it's not what it used to be, and there's a good reason for it. Next question coming from Mick, who says, how do you feel about the schedule this year? Travel, rest days, etc., balanced, any particular stretches look particularly easy or difficult? So we actually kind of addressed this question the last time we did, a, we got to it last Friday, but I didn't answer it as thoroughly as I would have liked. And so we're going to get to it a little more thoroughly now. So what I said was that it's tough in that the travel is tough. Like every road trip they take for the longest time involves far travel. And so they start out in New York and Chicago. That's obviously, you know, very East. And then they come home, Kansas City and LA. 
nine straight games against American League teams to start the year. Actually, yeah, nine straight games to, uh, against AL teams to start the year. Then they play the Dodgers for three, and then it's another American League team in the Tigers and the Marlins on the road. And so right away, again, the first two trips, New York, Chicago, home, Detroit, Miami, home, to play the Mets and Cardinals, two good teams. Uh, but of course, Detroit and Miami, that's kind of a soft road trip. Uh, and then they go to San Diego, but no, it's not in San Diego. It's in Mexico City uh, for two games. And then they go to Houston straight from Mexico City and then back home to play the Brewers and the Nationals. Then they go to Arizona. So that's the first time in mid-May, May 11th through 14th, where they don't have a kind of relatively far travel. But it's only a four-game road trip. And then they come home to play the Phillies and the Marlins. And then they go to Minnesota and Milwaukee. And then they come home to play the Pirates and the Orioles. And then they have a road trip where they just go to Colorado. And then they come home for just three games. And then they have a road trip where they go to St. Louis and LA, home to play the Padres and the D-backs, and then back on the road to play the Blue Jays and the Mets. So I hope you're noticing, like these, every time they're traveling, it's either like a short road trip, a short three-game homestand, and then back out to have another long road trip. There are definitely some stretches where they play some inferior teams. I mean, right before the All-Star break, they play three against the Mariners, who are pretty good, and then three against the Rockies, who are not so good. Then it's the all-star break. And then they have a road trip where they go to, again, far, but not great teams. Pittsburgh for three, Cincinnati for four, and then Nationals for three. I mean, that's a road trip where you should beat up on all three of those teams. Then they come home and play the A's for two. And that's another team. So that is a easy, I mean, nothing is easy in Major League Baseball, but as easy as it can be from a schedule and like strength of schedule perspective, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Washington, Oakland. And then they play the Red Sox at home, the D-backs at home, the A's for two on the road, the Angels for three on the road. So that's a soft coming out of the all-star break. I mean, there's a long travel there, but against some inferior teams and then some relatively soft portion of the schedule. Then they go to Texas to play the Rangers, Tampa Bay, or excuse me, this is a homestand, Texas, Tampa Bay. And then travel to Atlanta and Philly, that's tough. And then come home and play Atlanta again, and then the Reds. And then they go to San Diego. We're almost done here. They go to Chicago again. Like, come on, you can't just go LA and San Diego. It's got to be San Diego and then Chicago. And then back home, Rockies, Guardians, on the road, Rockies, D-backs, Dodgers. And then home to finish out the year, D-backs, Dodgers. And did I say D-backs? I think Padres, Dodgers. So... It, it just looks, it's kind of, the travel is tough, but from like a strength of schedule perspective, there are some soft patches and even the difficult patches, usually like you get a bad team mixed in. It's not like a three week straight stretch of playing really good teams. It's like, okay, Braves, Braves, but then it's some weak team kind of sandwiched in between. So anyway, it's obviously I could do a whole episode talking about the schedule, but I hope that that kind of summarizes it well enough. And what's so interesting, of course, is that there's fewer intra-division games. You're going to play every American League team starting from now on. And I like it, but it does lead to more travel if you're a team that's situated far on the West Coast. So anyway, coming up in just a minute, more questions and answers. We're going to get into what is up with Hunter Bishop and does Mike Yastrzemski have minor league options because he has struggled in the spring 
Is it a possibility he could be optioned? Can they even do it? So we'll get into it in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We want to know if you have a favorite bar or puff, and now is the time to make it count. Go to Built marchmadness.com to vote for your favorites. I will be voting for cookie dough. I am just a total sucker sucker for cookie dough. And what's crazy is if you ask 30 different people like we do in our locked on group chat, what your favorite built bar flavor is, you might get 30 different answers. And that's just because each and every flavor is amazing. And if you have like a favorite candy bar type flavor, you can find it at built and you know, what other protein bar allows you to get that candy bar flavor and yet come in with an incredibly healthy profile, talking like just four grams in a typical bar, four grams of sugar. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky lockdown listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, but one lucky fan will get a 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered straight to your door monthly. You've got to try Built. It's the best protein bar ever. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now and vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. All right, here we go. We are going to get to more mailbag questions. Giants Julie says, what's up with Hunter Bishop and does Yaz have minor league options? So Hunter Bishop, sadly for him and for the Giants and the fans... Hunter Bishop is going to have right elbow surgery. He's got a right elbow injury and needs surgery. Giants aren't sure of a timetable. Severity of the injury is going to be determined during the procedure. They're hopeful he only needs to put it in a brace and can return to the field later this season. But man, it has been an injury-plagued Giants career since Bishop was drafted. He was their first first first-round pick under this new front office and it just really he's been plagued by injuries pretty much the entire time and yeah so he's hurt right now and he could miss all the year from that report it sounds like it's possible uh that was courtesy of alex pavlovich of the athletic and so regarding mike yastrzemski or not of the athletic of nbc sports bay area mike yastrzemski has three minor league options three years of options <laughs> he's never been optioned remember he came up in 2019 they almost sent him down but then there was like a late injury and he stuck around and then went on a tear for the rest of the season and the rest is history he's been in the major leagues ever since either in the league or on the injured list he's never been sent down in his career once he was added to a 40-man roster because he was obviously in the minors forever with the Orioles. But yeah, he only has, you know, he has less than four years of service even. And so, yes, he could be optioned anytime this year and it would be no problem. And even for some of next year, he can be optioned. Once you get past five years of service time, you can't be optioned without your consent, but he's not there yet. And so if they needed to, yeah, he's a guy that they could send out. And some of you might be thinking they should do it now, but No, I just I've talked at length about why I think, you know, don't read into spring training statistics. He's got a major league track record. At the very least, he's hit right handed pitching well and he plays good defense, provides you that center field defense. Some think it should go to Bryce Johnson, but you're looking at Bryce Johnson's like minor league stats and spring training stats as opposed to like what will he do in the majors? It's not easy to hit in the majors. And so. Uh, yeah, that's that's Yastrzemski's job for now. And Johnson will get maybe an opportunity to platoon there. But uh, yeah, the question was just, does he have options? And he does. 
The next question from Alexander, who says, do you think, what do you think is a realistic ceiling for the Giants in terms of wins this season? I've got, I think they've got a chance to be better than they were last year on the merit of not playing the Dodgers and Padres as often as years past. That's definitely true. I mean, if you look at what did the Giants do against the Dodgers and Padres last year, I don't have it pulled up, but they were bad. And if you take out those two teams, the Giants would have a a much better record than they had last year. But obviously, like, you can't just do that. You've got to, other things might go wrong than versus exactly what happened last year. But realistic ceiling in terms of wins for the Giants, realistic ceiling. I mean, that's such a weird question because a ceiling is, is like, not the most likely individual outcome. A ceiling is the kind of peak outcome within the realm of realisticness. And so that's tough. I mean, it's 90 something for sure. I think like, cause I, I have that their kind of median prediction at like 86, 87 wins. That's what I've given as a win prediction. And I've always said like, it's pretty normal to be plus or minus 10 wins within a kind of the average prediction. So if you're predicting 86, I think it's not, totally insane that you could win 96 or you could win 76. Uh, And if you don't believe me, I mean, look at 2021 when I predicted, I actually predicted the same number there, 86 and 76 in 2021, and they went 107. So I think that was beyond even the realistic, of course, you know that beyond the realistic ceiling, but it just goes to show you what a ceiling really looks like. I mean, you they did not have a team that people thought were was even going to win close to 90 for the most part. And they win 107. So I don't know, like 94, 95, even 96. Again, we're talking ceiling. We're not talking what's going to happen. So I'm going to say like mid nineties is a realistic ceiling because I mean, if you don't believe me, just look at 2021. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen today. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked on Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance and thanks to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again every day of the rest of the week, including real baseball coming up. I just can't wait. So thanks again for listening. See you all week. You are now Locked on Giants.